Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlocked big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book, The Righteous Mind Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. The book expounds on the important insight that people are intrinsically moralistic, critical, and judgmental. Haidt argues that morality is a key difference separating humans from other animals. That it is a natural process we are all designed to do. But morality resembles taste, everyone's taste is different. Taste is influenced by people's background, how, where, and when they were brought up. Differentiated moral taste means that people often can't conceptualize another person's morality. Lack of mental, emotional, or moral empathy and lack of understanding makes it easy for people to be hostile to one another. Blind self-righteousness amplifies their moral conviction. The book's American author, Jonathan Haidt, is famous for his work in social and positive psychology specializing in moral psychology, business ethics, and complex social systems. First published in 2012, this is his second book. Following its success in 2018, he floated with, The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. In this book, Haidt cites the results of his research in neuroscience, genetics, social psychology, and evolutionary modeling to illustrate his perspective on moral psychology in a persuasive manner. Haidt says that his original idea was to give the book the title, The Moral Mind. However, he discovered that people are fiercely defensive of their personal moral conceptions. People are inclined to attack others' viewpoints. People will even sacrifice their lives for their morality, demonstrating the importance they place on the maintenance of righteousness. Consequently, he adopted the title, The Righteous Mind. Haidt describes morality as an extraordinary human capacity, allowing people without blood ties to collaborate in large groups. Such groupings make civilization possible. But because of this group nature, different moral opinions engender varying degrees of isolation and exclusivity. Haidt argues that moral confrontations, political divisions, and even ethnic conflicts spring from this underlying cause, the bonds within moral groups. Now, we will explain the significant aspects of the righteous mind in three parts, corresponding to Haidt's three principles of moral psychology. Part 1. Intuitions come first, strategic reasoning second. Part 2, there's more to morality than harm and fairness. Part 3, morality binds and blinds. Part 1, intuitions come first, strategic reasoning second. In his book, Haidt explains that his research analysis found that moral judgments following an event split in two ways. One part is the immediate reaction, based on intuitions arisen from direct perceptions. The other part is based around the interpretation of our perceptions. Such personal interpretations are often considered by oneself to be rational. In this framework, moral judgment is a process led by intuition and followed by strategic reasoning. People's gut reactions to an event come first before they, consciously or subconsciously, interpret associated emotions and intuitions by deploying their moral ideas. Hate provides an illustration. A person goes to the supermarket once a week and buys a chicken. But before cooking the chicken, they masturbate using the carcass. Then they cook it and eat it for supper. Haid poses the question, does this person behave immorally? 
When they read this story, although it is made up, most people will immediately feel uncomfortable and sickened, considering the man perverted. That is the morally based gut reaction. Hate provides readers with this example to give them a sense of the power of gut feeling influenced by people's intrinsic sense of what is acceptable. What's interesting about this example is what happens when hate pursues his questioning and asks why people believe the man's actions are moral or immoral. Responses vary. Since they do not harm others, some people say that such acts are neither moral nor immoral but a matter of personal freedom. However, in response to further questioning, other people struggle for the right words and are unable to give a clear answer. When pushed, hard they try, their expression is incredulous and suggests something like, do I need to explain why it is immoral? Are you from Mars? In addition to this moral conundrum, Haidt's research led him to ask people a range of similar ethical questions that were deliberately intended to lead to adverse reactions. Many of his research subjects lost no time in voicing their distaste for such situations. If the experimenter pressed them to provide a clear reason, people formed various justifications for their judgments. If the experimenter pointed out the irrationality of these defenses, people indicated that they would not alter their original judgment, even though they could not properly be justified. Haidt's findings suggest that in the process of making a moralistic judgment, intuitions come first and strategic reasoning second. As humans, we judge intuitively before considering how to excuse our judgment. In Haidt's previous book, The Happiness Hypothesis, Finding Modern Truth in Ancient Wisdom, he uses an elephant, huge and clever, as a metaphor for human sensibility and intuition, and an elephant writer as a metaphor for reason and the interpretation of an intuition, offered in hindsight. He explores the idea further in this book. When applying this metaphor in the realm of moral judgments, the writer serves the elephant. The writer can try to tell the elephant where to go and what to do. However, the elephant is the one carrying the writer, not the other way around. Our moral intuitions come primarily from the long process of human evolution and partly from the shaping by the society later on in life. As neuroscientist Gary Marcus analogizes, nature provides a first draft which experience then revises. The influence of our culture and society on our moral intuitions is profound and enormous. Fondness or distaste about something projected by others influences our intuitions at all times. Moral intuitions shape moral judgments. People often think that acting on intuition is impulsive, reckless, and doing so makes it easy to screw things up. If this is true, is it inevitable that making moral judgments based on our intuitions is flawed? Haidt clarifies this as a misconception many people make about intuitions. He points out that the elephant's intuitive way of conducting itself is appropriate in a great many situations. So, intuition can be an efficient and accurate means of doing things that also preserves our conscious mental resources. For example, with questions like, what do I want to eat? Which brand of cell phone do I think looks cooler? Which person is reliable? Who do I hate to run into a certain person? Such typical consumer choices and interpersonal judgments are areas in which the intuition of the elephant is an excellent guide. It benefits the writer to go along with it, not fight against it because it is an efficient shortcut our brain has evolved over time. By contrast, when intuitions are used as the basis for public policy, science, and lawmaking, the results can often be disastrous. It is especially the case in politics and religion. 
If people in these fields act too much on instincts and gut feelings, then it is often antagonistic and can promote bitter conflict. So, Haidt points out that we depend on our instincts, but we also need to be vigilant about where our instincts guide us and how they influence our personalities. Having considered the role of the elephant, let's touch on the writer, our reason. Some argue that facts and truths are the stuff of reason. But reason is often brought to the service of intuition, justifying its guiding principles. It follows a snap judgment rather than coming before the judgment. Haidt suggests that there comes the point when the writer feels that preserving reputation is more important than the relevant facts. Once a reputation becomes tarnished, it is human nature to justify what we believe to be the case rather than acquiesce to the truth, compromising our reputation. Haidt provides an example from his own experience. His wife, Jane, had asked Haidt not to put dirty dishes on the counter because she used the area to prepare baby food for their child. To Haidt, his wife's tone sounded like an accusation. So, almost before she had finished what she had to say, Haidt blurted out a justification. That he had put the dishes there because the baby started crying and their elderly dog was barking to go out. Torn between these two pressing calls on his attention, he had at that moment needed to leave the dirty dishes on the counter. Hearing his explanation, his wife understood. She accepted his explanation as a good reason to have done something disagreeable. Later, when writing an article on moral psychology, Haidt realized that although the baby had cried and the dog had barked, these things did not coincide, nor did they, in fact, occur at the time when he had placed the dishes on the counter. The justification was an excuse containing elements of deception. Therefore, he was a hypocrite and a liar. He automatically lied. Instinctively he wanted to preserve his good image. From Haidt's perspective, people are skilled at justifying themselves and not so good at being rational. We have evolved into inner lawyers rather than inner scientists. When his wife blamed him, Haidt's belief that he was innocent was genuine. He called on his rational abilities to justify his actions and, in a matter of seconds, his reason helped him to generate a convincing explanation in his own defense. Had he not been writing an article on moral reasoning at the time, he would never have been aware of the irregularities in his deception, nor discovered that he was a master liar. As you can now understand, without even being aware they are doing so, justifying the elephant's intuitions is what the elephant writer does. Haidt's argument follows terminology coined by the 18th-century philosopher David Hume who said, Reason, the writer, is the servant who justifies intuitions and is more interested in defending its reputation than seeking truth. Why do we want to preserve our reputation? The cause lies in our nature as social animals. The way others in our social group perceive us has been vital throughout history and remains so today. Sometimes, reputation can be a matter of life and death. The metaphorical elephant writer may have good intentions, but their tendency to defend their intuition can be so pronounced that the voice of reason is not as objective as we might like to think. Therefore, we need to be vigilant where our intuition takes us, and be aware that our supposed rationality may actually be self-righteousness. That concludes our content for the first part of the book. Let's recap. When people make moral judgments, intuitions often come first and strategic reasoning second. In the metaphor of the elephant and the writer, the elephant is making intuitive moral judgments, and the writer is making excuses to justify those judgments. 
The source of moral intuition is primarily in human evolution that has continued to shape social interactions. Intuitions remain important because they are highly efficient and often reasonably accurate. But if you rely excessively on them, they can also cause antagonism and conflict. This section warns us to be on the alert when considering intuitions. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.